Good morning, Brother Dan. How are you? I'm well, brother. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning. It is Monday. We are ready to rock and roll. This episode is brought to you by... Right there. Read it and weep. Yeah, House Coffee. Yep. That is yes. in Lynch, Kentucky. A place yes. that our church is very uh, uh, grateful to be able to serve. And, and by the way, if you want to meet some of the folks that First Baptist Divine does ministry with uh, in Lynch, Kentucky, you, you need to come to uh, a conference we are hosting in February, uh, the 17th and the 18th. So please come and avail yourself for that. It would be a blessing to you as we also are blessed by your presence. Uh, this episode, we also would like to open with a real um, word of gratitude to one of our own. Her name is Charlie Rick, uh, Richard or Ricard. I, I never know how to properly pronounce her name. Ricard. Ricard. There you go. It's a K, not a Ch. K. Ricard. Yesterday we had a number of things to rejoice over because of how um, the church observed a number of things. But for that, I can actually ask you, Brother Dan, the first reason we re rejoice, actually there's two from the morning. What happened yesterday during worship? Uh, yesterday we had the privilege of baptizing Sydney Solis, an eighth grader uh, in Divine, uh, into membership in our church. Um, after the week prior, she had uh, confessed Christ as her Savior. And following Amen. the second service yesterday, uh, a young lady named Rebecca Sanchez, who is a Natalia student, yeah, um, also came. Go Mustangs. Yeah, and we'll be, uh, we'll be. Um, enjoying the, the day in which she will be baptized in, in the next few weeks. Amen. So we want to celebrate that. Another thing that happened here at the church uh, it was in the evening. We had an event that focuses on um, underwriting, if you will, the cost to uh, provide discipleship to our youth through the uh, going to camp, summer camp. And so we want to say thank you to those that came by baked goods and those that came and had dinner with us and had fun do during the bake sale and also during the auction, because as I understand it, we raised a, uh, a total sum of about $10,000. No small feat um, in eternity's perspective to provide a time away for youth in our area to go away and simply connect with Christ and encourage one another and build uh, deeper and meaningful relationships. So I just want to say thank you to those of you who are listening and participated in that. That being said, this is why I bring Charlie up. In case you didn't know, Charlie is a wonderful homesteader, baker uh, type of lady, and she's amazing. When she heard about this opportunity for the this uh, spaghetti dinner, she volunteered to make homemade rolls for the event. And so we want to say thank you. And one of the reasons I want to bring that up is because I know she listens to this podcast on a regular basis. So if you know Charlie, if, uh, if you have a chance to, to get to know her, please support her. She's a homesteader. She has her own business and this is something she does. And she just wanted to bless our uh, congregation by doing this for us. Uh, anything else you'd like to add, Brother Dan? 
is it is it fair to to throw a shout out to the only listener? I'm kidding. I don't know. Maybe she can get us more. <laughs> anyway, okay, Pastor Dan, let's go into the the real good stuff now at the four minute mark. Terms and conditions apply. Um, and so yesterday, as you guided us before we started recording, Matthew 16, the very last pericope happening here uh, in the chapter. Um, how? Oh, I just want to ask you, how, how is it that you come up with this amazing title sermons, like Terms and Conditions Apply? How do I come up with it? I, I don't know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I really don't know. It's, um, I guess it's part of just the, the, the preparation, um, effort. Um, you know, even, even right now I've pushed pause on preparing, not for this coming Sunday's message, but for a couple of weeks out. Um, uh, and where uh, part of that, um, part of that time is in asking or petitioning the Lord to, First, give me a joy um, in, in going about the text, like, preparing a message and preaching it. Um, and, and I do that intentionally because at times um, I, I believe that pastors or preachers or teachers can uh, succumb to the, um, the feeling of I've got to just turn out another one um, where there, there, there ought to be a joy in the, in the preparation. Uh, because we're we're preparing a meal that we will be serving as we feed the flock of God. Um, so in that, um, I'm continually seeking to try to connect <laughs> um, with with the the congregation and divine um, through real life encounters, uh, things that are common to us, and to to bring us both mentally and emotionally and spiritually into the presence of the word of God. Um, and so when I was encountering or working through this text a few weeks ago, I was considering um, how often it, it, the fear may be that, um, that this radical call to discipleship that Jesus makes, uh, if anyone would come after me, they should pick up their cross and follow me. Um, how often that, in at least in the Western or American um, perspective of Christianity, this idea of self-denial and cross-bearing, it, it doesn't fit in nicely to a, um, a pseudo-Christianity that seeks to integrate or synthesize things like the American dream. Um, and the preservation of self. Um, and so we, we miss it, is my point. And so much like we potentially miss the uh, the things that are so common in, in our day, we that the terms and conditions may apply um, documents or um, um, modals that we're presented with with our technology or our contracts. We really don't concern ourselves with those fine points. We just say, yeah, we agree to them. Uh, and we move past it without an awareness of the consequences or the expectations that come with those terms and conditions. So it's to say that if, if we call ourselves Christian, um, 
the terms and conditions of that are that our lives would reflect the the cross that our Lord went to and through. So that's where that came from, I guess. No, and and I think I think it's a it's a wonderful attention getter. I think also it kind of points as much as you have said to the things that we agree to without considering. And so we want to jump uh, jump right into that uh, via the text. So Jesus now is talking about his resurrection very plainly to the apostles and now is very pointedly saying, hey, listen, I go to Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, a few things are going to happen. Eventually, I'm going to die, but I will be resurrected three days after. Um, And so why don't you walk us through the reaction that we see from the prominent disciple himself, Peter? And and how does that connect to how we as a church sometimes respond to Jesus? Sure. Um, and so I, I will also just um, add to something you said there in, in what Jesus is teaching. Jesus is not just teaching that he's going to die and be resurrected. He's teaching he's going to first suffer, then die, right, then be raised. Um, and so it's, it's actually right. this, this aspect of suffering that I think is a... Um, a a part of the call of the Christian um, that we almost intellectually reject or or do not would not be open to uh, and otherwise dismiss. Right. So um, so Jesus is teaching this, and it, this is uh, this section of teaching, which Brother Carlos referred to as a pericope. Um, that's a ten dollar word, a seven dollar word. Uh, but that is a section, a logical section of, of the Bible that uh, that we would teach from. Um, this this section comes following uh, the prominent disciple at, at this point through Matthew's um, telling of the gospel narrative. Um, the prominent disciple Peter declaring, "Hey, um, after Jesus asks the twelve, who is it that you say that I am?" Peter says, hey, "You are you are the Christ. You are the Son of God." Like, oh, man, you got it. Good job. Um, and then after after that aspect of teaching, where Jesus through um, through the midpoint of chapter sixteen has been revealing the Father in in His incarnation, the very personage, uh, uh, human reflection of the Father, if you will, revealing the kingdom and what the kingdom will be. Um, in his teaching and in his works. Now, once Peter has said, you are the son of God, you are the Christ. Um, now the teaching shifts because uh, Matthew tells us right in verse 21 in those opening words, I didn't dwell on it very much in the message, uh, but the, it's, it's, a, it's a, a key transition. It says from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples. So once he's identified as God's Messiah, from that point on, Jesus now starts teaching, hey, now that you know who I am, here's what you don't know about the Messiah. And Mm. this is that the Messiah must suffer. 
the Messiah must be killed and the Messiah will be raised. And so um, Peter and the other 11 hear this and it does not sync up well with their understanding of Messiah to this point. I mean, even in acknowledging that Jesus is the Christ, they're seeing the lame to be made to walk. They're seeing the vision restored to the blind. Um, they're seeing lepers uh, cleansed and healed. And so they're, they're seeing the miraculous performed, the impossible done. And now God's Messiah has to suffer and die. That, that's, mm. that's a huge tension, right? Um, between what they've seen and what they've experienced and what now Jesus is foretelling. And so Peter takes it upon himself. Um, it, it doesn't, and Matthew doesn't tell us why or how Peter comes about rationalizing that it's he who's the one who's supposed to do this, but he does. Um, and he rebukes Jesus and says, in effect, hey, man, um, this teaching of yours is pretty hard. And I'm not sure it's right. You're the Christ. That's what Peter does. Though. Okay, so yeah, we want to make sure people fall in love with Lynch, Kentucky, and Maritza Ministries. So one of the things that um, you said yesterday that I think most people, if if we are all honest, we're probably taken aback by this particular assumption is that. We have to suffer. <laughs> and even in, in the way that we approach Christianity, we don't talk about suffering that much. Um, I mean, even in the way that we pray for people when we learn about difficult situations and circumstances. So, for example, when Ethan was in the ER this past weekend or when we hear of our church members, uh, like our sister Wen, when we learned about her things, a lot of our a lot of our prayers seek the way out, but not how God might be glorified in the in the process of suffering and enduring through that suffering to see God do a beautiful thing. Um, plainly speaking, plainly, how how should we as Christians, from a biblical perspective, then approach suffering as a way of enhancing our discipleship, or is that a or is that too much of a thing? Is that an idealistic approach or a naive approach? I don't think it's idealistic. And I don't think it's naive. Um, I think at times this notion that suffering can be dismissed or suffering is not a, a part of the Christian walk um, is either presented as a idealization or it has, it is presented as uh, in some nuanced way. Um, in, in other words, like, yes, the call of discipleship is a call to suffering, but the American Christian doesn't really suffer to the extreme. And so therefore, you know, we're, or, or it's, it's presented in a nuanced way to say, because we don't suffer enough, we're in greater need of God's grace. 
Um, yet, when Matthew concludes uh, his account of the gospel, he does so in chapter 28, uh, as we all know, with the Great Commission. And if the, the accentuating point of that is teaching them in all things I have commanded, that's what Jesus said when, when making disciples, teaching them in all things, teaching all people in all things. You come back to this, this mm-hmm. is a teaching that is not accepted, not ACC, I mean EXC, accepted. We're, we're not, we're not um, able to skip this. This is part of the aspect of the, the teaching that comes to the disciple. If we are being faithful in that, that, that called through being disciple makers and disciples ourselves. So how do we live this? Um, my guidance would be not so much to seek it out, <laughs> but to recognize that when it comes, we are to walk through it, knowing that we don't walk through it alone, that we do so counting it all joy, as the scriptures tell us, because when that suffering is presented to us, Christ, first and foremost, will be glorified. And secondly, well, first and foremost and overall, he will be glorified. And how he is glorified is through the, the manner in which that particular disciple who is subject to that suffering is grown in greater Christ-likeness to bear more fruit with whatever days remain in their lives because of what God uh, had shown them um, in his faithfulness through that trial. And Christ is glorified in the witness of that disciple's faithfulness in and through that trial that brought about the suffering. So in other words, all those who saw it, they they were recipients of seeds that were planted in their lives. And Christ is glorified in that. Um, So living this out, the Christian... If, if when we're presented with opportunities uh, or those deviate, those points in life where you're, you're, you're kind of and you've got to turn left or right in, in, in the point of life, if your option is, hey, this is going to be the tough road or this is going to be the spot where I can sit on my sofa and remain in relative comfort, I promise you. Christ isn't calling you to stay on your couch and stay comfortable. That, that's the best way I can begin to present it. Um, so whether, and that does not mean that you have a vocational calling to ministry, like being a missionary or being a, a pastor of some kind or a minister of some kind in, in, in terms of vocational employment, but it is accepting that if you have been redeemed of God through the shed blood of Christ, you are a minister wherever God has placed you in life. Um, whether that is a, a minister who is a porter at a 
uh, at a car dealership uh, preparing the cars for the, the, the purchase the purchaser. Or if you are a cafeteria worker preparing lunch for the children, you're a management device. Um, so when those sufferings come, receive them with joy. Don't don't seek to avoid them. That 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 would be my best answer. Okay. Well, I, I like I agree with your answer, and I think one of the things that we have to be mindful of is that, particularly here in the U.S., when we have so many Christian teachers speaking about God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and to have an abundance of things, and people expect that. Um, that when suffering comes, they see that as either as punishment from God, they see that as an attack of the enemy, or um, just their lack of faith and and trusting God Almighty. Um, I think it's something to consider to encourage people to realize that if God allows suffering to take place in our lives, it's because the purpose of that is for our good. Now, our good may not be half a million dollars in the bank, uh, all of our debts being wiped out as much as the federal government may want to do so, um, or any other type of crazy idea like that. Rather, it is much like you said, to make us into the image of Christ, which is, I mean, the best goal we can ever have eternally. And so I, I totally agree with, agree with that. And I, th I hope that our listeners can understand that this is simply to say, scripture says it, God incarnate says it, and therefore we must accept it and rejoice when we come into those parts of life. And I mean, and I guess I also want to say that there's maybe a false presumption that if you have wealth that you don't suffer, or if you have health that you don't suffer, um, the, those things are are temporary. No. Um, and I mean, you can have wealth and lose it. You can be uh, destitute and become a billionaire. I mean, there, there are those stories. That doesn't mean in either scenario you don't suffer. Right. Um, you can have health or not. Um, the, the, even the, the most cancer-ridden person may not be suffering in the way that we, the world understands suffering. Because that person, if they're, if they're in, in the family of Christ, um, they, they may count that as all joy. They may have a peace that surpasses our understanding. So they wouldn't view their condition or their disease as a plight of suffering. Um, so I, I think we, the, the thing I would hope our listeners would take away is that don't give into this notion that because you have wealth or because you have health or any of these other positively viewed aspects of life in the world, don't view those things as the absence of suffering. Um, right. The wealthy and the healthy suffer as well. Um, at least I would say the invitation to, to grow on the likeness of Christ through trial and suffering exists for both of those categories of, of human beings. I would like to transition now into what we read in chapter 16. Uh, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That was the closing um, quote uh, 
that you had from our master uh, for the sermon that followed in quick succession after a quote by uh, an Indian philosopher, Hindu philosopher, if I'm not mistaken, where it said, Jesus is both, uh, help me remember. That uh, that philosopher, his name is Bharadatta, um, right? And this is a, a version of a, a quote that's often ascribed to Mahatma Gandhi. Um, and if if you if you if you wind up looking up um, inspirational quotes, there's a whole lot that's ascribed to people uh, of prominence like Gandhi that they never even said those things. Right. Um, it's just like, oh, and they're and please hear me with grace, you know, oh, there was some Indian who said this and must have been Gandhi, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but it's Dada, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, who said this. Um, he said, Jesus is ideal and wonderful, but you Christians, you are not like him. Right. Um, and so this talks about the idea of how people perceive Christianity because of those that proclaim Christianity as their faith. And the reason I'm bringing this up is this is where the rubber meets the road, so to say. And so how can we as Christians begin to take up our cross daily and follow him? Now, I realize that's a very wide question. What are some ways in everyday life that we can take up our cross and follow Jesus uh, in light of what he tells Peter, get behind me, Satan. Picking up our cross means seeking to live and reveal the kingdom that is to come fully upon Christ's arrival in our lives today. Mm. So that means that we are actually seeking to live a life that is inverting or flipping, or quite opposite the the way that this world works. So, for example, um, you and I are recording a podcast right now. Yes, there are. I, I have no idea how many other podcasts there are in the world. Really, don't. there's a um, lot. There's probably there's a lot. Yeah. Um, my motivation. Well, I'm just going to speak for myself right now. My motivation in participating in this is to to offer some maybe some different insight or clarity upon um, at least off of our aim in this this time insight and clarity on things that either you or I preached or taught from the pulpit the day prior. Um, right. Because my desire is for not thinking I'm perfect or thinking or believing that I am perfectly living in obedience to the word of God. But my desire is to shepherd others in, in this cross bearingness in life and, and, and revealing the kingdom of God to others um, for right. our Lord and his kingdoms. So, so my desire has nothing to do with this being the most popular podcast in the world. I, I, I do not care if this is the most listened to thing on earth today. Right. Um, but, and so why, why I bring that up is so often our motivations are to be the greatest at, to seek status, right? 
um, Tom Brady. I know you love sports analogies because you're such a football fan. Um, the Tom Brady's called the goat of, uh, of quarterbacks in the NFL, the greatest of all time. Uh, in some measure, he's earned that by winning a number of Super Bowls, right? Right. But he's also pursued that status. Um, and I'm not here to critique Brady. Um, but my point in that, the manner in which the Christian lives out this this call of Christ and following him is, is not to pursue status for themselves. God may give that status for according to his will and purposes as he sees fit, right? He may elevate someone to a position of prominence and influence. This podcast may one day be the, the most listened to thing in the world, but that's because God willed it, not because I desired it or sought it. That's that's the mind right. flip that has to take place. Right. Um, so we're we're not to seek status. Um, we're also not to ascribe um, or give an elevated um, perspective to what the world thinks is influence or wealth, right? And you see later the half-brother of Jesus talking about this, about giving this, the, the place, the, the best seats in the house to the people that have the gold signets and things like that. He's, he's warning against those types of things. Um, right. You, you see... Um, you see the warnings about affiliating with people of, of power and influence according to the world's schemes. Um, the, the kingdom of God seeks to subvert or to, to, to flip the script entirely because God's ways are not the world's ways. Mm-hmm. So we live this thing out by actually living the way things are supposed to have been all along. Right. So that, that's actually the way I would invite us to think about this. Rather than viewing um, yourself as a rebel, think of yourself as an ambassador to the kingdom that has come and is coming. That you were revealing how things were supposed to have been all along if there had been no fall. Mm. And in that, we were actually not flipping the table or flipping the script so much as the fall has done that. And what we're doing is showing how things should have been all along in the manner in which we live, saying a prominent title, a amount of wealth, um, some manner of influence, like having a blue check on your social media account or tons of followers those things are not what we do. God may provide them, but we don't seek them because right. all we seek to do is be faithful in what Christ has done himself. Right? So sure. Christ, Christ came to fulfill a mission by doing ministry. So in our rejection of status and wealth and prominence and all of those things, because we're living the kingdom now, we are doing so by carrying our cross and living a kingdom priority where it's ministry and mission first. Right. Irrespective of where we are in life and what God has called us to vocationally, or in other words, 
how we make our, our hay or how we go about making our tents, whether, like I said, we're a porter or a cafeteria worker or a teacher or what have you. Um, it's mission and ministry that is our focus. So we are a Christian who's a teacher. That That's our mission. That's our ministry. That's our, our mission field, whomever God has placed around us. Mm. That's not, we're not teachers first who happen to be Christians. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I think, um, and I agree with you 100%. I, I, I wonder for our listeners, um, how may, how might you, each listener remove certain um, roadblocks. So, for example, um, in the Christian life, sometimes there's a real sense of loneliness. Um, simply because, again, if we are trying to please God and walk by his word, uh, oftentimes we end up being ostracized or we end up being thought of as you are some person of left field. Why would you think that? Why would you believe that? Why would you behave that way? I mean, even in the, in the smallest um, interactions with people, right? So if someone says something mean to us, we don't react or we aspire to not react, but rather to respond in kindness and grace and, Culture says no. You need to. You need to get. You need to get them back. I mean, there's even a whole the whole comical, um, not caricature, but the personage of Medea, right? You got to get them before they get you. You got to get them God before they get me God. That's that's one of the lines from one of the comedies by Tyler Perry. What are some of the ways that we can perhaps begin to overcome some of those hurdles that come with? Picking up our cross and following Jesus. Take it wherever you want to. Um, I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday after our first service mm -hmm. that I think in some of what I shared with that person, uh, there's applicability here. Um, and I, 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 if I'm training in the right direction on this, I think the, the first step in, in challenging us um, is to consider and reflect upon the depth of grace if we are children of God, mm -hmm. the depth of grace that we are recipients of, in, like in our own lives, right? Like the, the, so a, a deep awareness of our own sinfulness. And out of that, recognizing that Christ had eyes to see uh, see beyond our iniquity and love it and go to a cross for me. That he would impart to us his eyes so that we might see others, not through our own eyes or the world's eyes, but through his eyes. Um, that those individuals who never how did you put it? Or how does Tyler Perry put it? I, I'm not familiar with that, that quote. So that, so that, so that we don't have to go them before they got us. Um, but that we, we might see them with the eyes of our Lord and, um, 
and bear the fruit of the spirit uh, that we're commended to do. I mean, um, making that reference to Galatians five and the fruit of the spirit. I think in that that time too, when we're when we're confronted with these individual challenges as as you've presented them, um, you know, I would ask Tyler Perry or Medea to say, you know, if Medea is a Christian, um, you know, I, I know Medea, you may not be able to love this person, but maybe in your prayer time, you might um, ask or petition God to say, God, I can't love this person, but can you love them through me? Right. God, I, I cannot have patience around this person, but can you be patient in and through me? Um, it, it's, it's, it's this sense of surrender um, because that, that we come back to that enables us um, through the empowerment of the Spirit to live this life out. Because yes, our, our flesh wants to control us yet um, that to respond in these ways. So um, so that becomes a manner in which we are crucified anew, where we die to self because our self would say, I would love to take whatever terrible action towards this person, whether it's through something we say or something we do. Um, but instead we, we crucify that anew, so to say, um, and seek to bear the, the fruit of the spirit what, and whatever that application is in that particular moment, even saying, God, if, if, if I can't, but will you? Right. Okay. I like it. I like it a lot. I wonder, um, As we bring it all kind of together, so I wonder how, as we celebrate a baptism, a confession of faith, um, and not necessarily one of the easiest messages to deliver, because again, no one likes to, no one likes to hear that. Yeah, you're going to be the recipient of this wonderful gift. That's eternal life. I wonder how do we celebrate. And and make it a point to celebrate this this wonderful thing that's happening, um, as as we proclaim the word of God and keep in mind the um, the advan the advancement of the kingdom. Because again, this is not something that usually happens when you teach something like you thought you were getting something, and yes, you are. But rather, did you look at the fine print? I don't know if I'm making sense to you. It's just something that I, I, I've, I've, I've pondered uh, just over the several last hours uh, since yesterday evening, uh, right? Even right as as I went to bed, thinking, how is it that we can we can see all of this happening as we talk about? There's a real cost, but it's worth it, and seeing how especially in a, in a segment of the population that otherwise people would think they would never go for this, that we see God moving in their lives. Anyway, feel free to give me thought because I'm just, I'm just showing to you my, my process of wonder and awe in the presence of God. So you're, you're asking, how do we encourage 
folks beyond the I I bought a um, a ticket out of jail mm-hmm. to continue to persevere. Yeah, which is a beautiful thing if you ask me. But again, it's just how do we get people to see the the beauty of the process, and how do we get to see get them to to see the beauty of it's, of the journey ahead? Again, you can borrow from from the Pilgrim's Progress if you want to, which it, is a wonderful way sure. of doing that. Sure. Well, maybe that's a thought you have in mind that you, you'd want to expand upon. But um, I would begin by saying it's not for for me or for you um, to necessarily bear that that burden. Um, it, so much for to, to call us to um, to call us each to know that there is so much depth and richness to the life of the Christian. Um, when we when we live and when we live out this call to be a disciple of Jesus as Jesus is teaching here, that mm-hmm. yes, his call to suffering, yes, his call to persecution. Um, those words in our minds have immediate negative um, connection. Mm. But what he's telling us is those are not truly negative. The world has taught you that. Right. And so as our minds are renewed, mm. what he's inviting us, he being Jesus, what he's inviting us to, to be deeply aware of is that there is so much life when you follow him. There is so much abundant life that comes in a, how does how does uh, Eugene Peterson put it um, that a long walk of obedience or how did um, mm. a, a long obedience in the same direction? I think that's how he he, mm-hmm. he talks about it. Um, there's there is a life that is abundantly rich and satisfying and full when we walk in the same direction, following Jesus in obedience. And that is obedient to the call to be to receive persecution when it comes. That is obedient to call to suffer when it comes, not to not to rebuke or reject those things. But there is such beauty and in uh, persevering through those that when our minds have these negative associations with these words and would constantly would innately reject them and run away from them. We're actually, a few things are happening, but the primary thing is we're, we're not being faithful to the one who's, who's committed to being faithful to us. And as a secondary consequence to that, we're actually denying or rejecting the blessing of God that comes with that. Mm. Um, I mean, and this is you. You talked about um, health and wealth and prosperity things, and so the this language of health and wealth and prosperity means a lot to us because we have positive associations with those things. But hear me: the blessing of God comes through the persecution and suffering. Um, so if 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 we are, but that blessing doesn't mean health and wealth. That blessing means. Um, 
God's favor. That blessing means God's sustaining power in those trials. That blessing means God's um, encouragement and building you up and growing you as a person. Mm. Um, that blessing means knowing that he is with you um, and feeling the weight of the presence around you and in you. Um, so I forget even how we started this, but it's, it's there is so much that we would be denying in terms of um, our own faithfulness and recipients of God's blessing in our lives if we were to, to spurn these things. Right. Um, and I would invite us, if we were reading the book of Hebrews, to, to read those warnings in this light. Um, the, the calls to, um, to faithfulness and obedience aren't as um, some Christians take the view that they are signs of a loss of salvation. No, they are calls for us to be loyal to the to the one who has redeemed us and saved us. Uh, because he's ultimately going to be faithful, but there there's so much abundant life that we are losing aside, as a secondary thing. I'm, I'm making this very right, right now, right? Appeal because that's where you're coming from, right? Um, there, there's so much that we're denying or losing uh, or rejecting when when we not to pick up our cross and follow Jesus as he's calling us to. Right. Yeah. And, and yes, there's, yeah, we definitely would be at a disadvantage if we choose to ignore that and to disobey it outright. Um, shifting gears. So in case our listeners are not aware, this is the result of going through the Bible chronologically for an entire year. So, Right now, um, we are now, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm going to use my little cheat sheet, cheat sheet that I have here. Um, we are entering now into, well, into the gospel, uh, the gospel accounts, uh, almost to the end, uh, the glorious end of the gospels and about to break into um, within about a week or so, uh, right into the actual epistles, right? So we're getting right in there actually within two weeks so what has been one of the blessings in disguise of going from genesis to revelation for you a blessing in disguise well Mm -hmm. um i don't know if i don't know if it was disguise it was it was anticipated um that the church in some part, would grow in their literacy, their biblical literacy. In other words, that they would be more aware of God and his redemptive purposes as God has revealed to us in Scripture. Right. Um, that I have, I have seen um, that, that grow in the church. Um, so that, that has been a blessing to hear um, folks in the church talking about Scripture, um, talking about uh, the psalmist or talking about Jeremiah or, or talking about Jesus and the expectation um, uh, of, of the Bible since we spent so much of the year in the Old Testament. Um, so that, that has been a wonderful blessing. Um, a, an unexpected part of it. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I think, I think it's, I think it has, 
I did not. This is going to sound weird because I remember someone saying, don't be surprised when God does what he says he's going to do. Um, but in some part, I, I wasn't sure about how um, the loss would respond to this because this is very intentional. Right. Um, and this is a, a, a plan or a program that is not, um, at least in my experience, uh, normal, typical. And so, uh, I mean, what we've seen over the course of this year is a, a fair number of folks come to faith in Christ um, as they have come to understand the the redemptive story, at least through uh, halfway through the, the, the gospel, right? Um, the expectation of Messiah of redemption, um, being in Christ and out of Christ. The, spiritual family that is the church um there there has been so much that god has done through that that it's not so much that i'm surprised that god has done it i just didn't expect it (laughs) i guess i don't know i don't know how to to say that the right way but i i've been blessed by that yeah i think for uh answering the same question so I don't come across as the grand inquisitor, but the grand participator. Um, I, one of the things I really enjoy is um, when we are in a Sunday school class and people are following along with the reading, um, you can almost, even if they don't give an answer out loud, you can see a light, uh, a light switch kind of flip and the light comes on when we refer back to, this is where Jesus is. This is what he's teaching. And this is taking us back to Psalms. This is taking us back to Proverbs. This is taking us back to David or Samuel. Uh, it takes us back to Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Nehemiah. Anyway, uh, it's it's lovely to see the connections in, uh, in the internal switchboard in their brains going like this. Or some switchboards are more of a, a, a 60s and before. Um, perhaps it's like seeing the databases connecting uh, in their brain with the different factoids that they've learned throughout the year. Uh, I think that's a blessing. I tell you one thing that blesses me. We have had people who have come into the fellowship within the last month or so. And we ran out of the Bibles um, about two or three months ago all of them gone and they're asking for the bible because even though they're starting late with us they want to start the new year 2023 reading the bible together as we have done in 2022 i think it's it's a cool thing to see the encouragement to those that are joining the family of god here at first baptist divine to actually say we really we want to do this as a family so that we can experience what the church has experienced. Um, and so to me, that's a big blessing. Mm-hmm. We've had. And so we, we've provided those. And so they ha- they have them. We, we make sure they get them in their homes. And so it's been a blessing to see that. Another another blessing is to to see how the, the youth and the children um, interact with the readings and how they can, the parents and even the teachers here, how they can connect with the the children and the youth as they follow along. Because we also made Bibles available for children 
uh, early in the year. And so just to kind of see that progression as well, it's very encouraging. It's something to celebrate, I think. So um, other than that, um, another question for you. So we had, and I'm look, and now I'm pulling up my second cheat sheet from the internet. Um, and by the way, before we, I make this segue, if you have any questions, we so far have one question. You and I need to actually have to plan how to answer that question. And we're going to see how we can best do that. Uh, but if anyone has questions or comments on YouTube section below, just type it in and we can engage with you and we can make that part of a future episode. If you are seeking to submit something privately, info at fbcdivine.org and we can incorporate that into one of our future episodes. Again, we have one question and we need to plan how to answer that, but we want to engage with our audience. Lastly, we want to thank you for listening because quite frankly, we understand that you're taking time and you think this is worth your while. And I think it's worth your time and ours simply because we want to allow Pastor Dan uh, and from time to time myself to go into the whole meat and potatoes that we can, uh, we have to reserve from presenting from the pulpit. So thank you for allowing us the opportunity to, to speak into your life. That being said, let's go into something a little more lighthearted. So yesterday. No, there don't were, bring it up, dude. It hurts. Why? 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 Okay, go ahead. Well, we have. I mean, we had a number of games, but I'm I'm trying to make sure I'm, I have the right days in front of me. Uh, You're about to bring up the Cowboys. Well, I was about to bring a number of teams, but I mean, you know, if, if you're if you're too pained to talk about it, we don't have to. Well, we just talked about suffering, so I guess I need to. Well, I don't think this is quite the same. So yesterday we had uh, we had a. We had a few of them. So, for example, we had the Jaguars and the Colts, and the Colts win. The Patriots beat the Browns, and then we have the Bengals beating the Saints. The, uh, the Steelers, R.C. Sproul would be proud. The Steelers took on the Buccaneers and beat them 20 to 18. Yeah. Um, to go fix his relationship with Giselle and just retire. Okay, probably that that might be a good thing. Uh, the Falcons and the 49ers, 28 on the F Falcons against 14. The Jets beating the Packers. Uh, the Vikings beating the Dolphins. Uh, the Rams beating the Panthers. Uh, the Seahawks beating the Cardinals. And that was by 10 points. And now this is the one that people were uh, caught up while they were at the um, uh, dessert Those auction. The Chiefs. Yeah, and the Bills got it. Over the Chiefs, 24 to 20. Okay. And let's talk about, oh, no. Oh, today, I'm hoping my, my Broncos beat the Chargers. That's just a, that's you, just my hope. You're a Broncos fan? I yes. Sentimental reasons. My dad okay. used to like them. I know. Okay. I know. It's okay. They used to have Gary Kubiak a while back, if I'm not mistaken, as, as their coach. Anyway, we'll, we'll let that go. That's a throwback. I know. And... The Cowboys versus the Eagles. And that was uh, 26 Eagles, 17 Cowboys. So, it's kind of saying. We talk about eternal things, but we also need to have a little fun. Dak, Dak will be back. You think? Yeah. Okay, sounds good. He'll be back next week. Oh, boy. He'll be that's the gonna, Lions. That's going to be interesting. In the meantime... 
uh, we want to thank all of you for listening and putting up with our shenanigans at the end of the episode. Um, I promise I will let this grow again. I won't, I won't do this mistake again. Well, it'll be a nice, nice fill in place. Um, Pastor Dan, we thank you for, uh, by the way, in case you didn't know, October is Pastor Appreciation Month. So Pastor Dan, on behalf of our church, I want to say thank you. Um, we have, we are blessed to have you as our lead under shepherd. We are so blessed to have you as someone who fearlessly proclaims the word, teaches the word and exemplifies the word as, as best as possible, given that while you are our chief under shepherd, you're still human and we appreciate that you you don't hold back. Uh, thank you for the way you care for us. Thank you for the way you lead us. And even for the good times we can have together, being um, just having a good time while doing ministry together. Example, talking about the Cowboys after talking about suffering. So. I love you, Thank you. We love you too, brother. Until next time, this is Disciple Live, the Bible and Everyday Life with Pastor Dan and I am Pastor Carlos. Send us your questions, your comments, and please be on the lookout as this episode goes to multiple platforms from YouTube all the way to iTunes, Spotify. Please share your uh, the episode and let us know what you think. Give us your feedback. Yeah.